Hello and welcome to the Who's Podcast with me, Phil. And me, Paul. And on this month's show, we're going to finally get around to discussing The Parting of the Ways, the final episode of Christopher Eccleston's only series of The Doctor and the end of our Series 1 retrospective. We've, we're finally here at last. <laughs> yes, someone, someone was letting off fireworks somewhere around where I was last night and I wondered if it was you as you were celebrating the finish of that. It was. <laughs> I cannot believe we've got here at last. I cannot believe it. But uh, but we'll, we'll, we'll come on to that uh, a little bit later. But first, um, what's been happening uh, since you've been away for the last month? Um, well, there's not a lot to discuss, really. There's a few sort of celebratory things. But unfortunately, we have to um, start off with the sad news that the actor, Glyn Houston, um, has died at the age of 93. And uh, those of you who know who Glyn Houston is, he played Professor, Professor Watson. Uh, in the Hand of Fear, um, he was the uh, the director of the Nunton Experimental Complex, and he was also uh, the up against the Fifth Doctor as well as Colonel Wolsey in the Awakening, um, as well. Um, now, it's one obviously, of those actors where you may not know the name, but you'd recognise the face straight away. Yes, definitely. Um, you probably recognise the name of his his, um, his more famous brother, actually, Donald Houston, um, who's been um, well. One of my one of my favourite films actually was Where Eagles Dare. So, <laughs> but um, but no, he did actually. Glenn Houston was in another famous British film actually, The Blue Lamp. Yes, in uh, 1950. So um, that that's the uh, the film that uh, Dirk Bogard famously shot a copper, which was unheard of in those days. It, it created a, a, a big scandal, didn't it? That film, policemen ne- were never shot in shot. cold blood like that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, not not in the uh, not in British cinema anyway. But uh, no, he he appeared in um, absolutely loads and loads of stuff. Um, things like Inspector Morse, Minder, Ain't Off Hot Mum, um, Shoestring. Uh, have you watched that yes. box set yet, Paul? <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm sort of working my way. Through. The X Y Y Man, I haven't. I've only watched half of so fast. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, he was um, also in uh, Robin's Nest. Are you being serve, uh, served? Served uh, beasts. As well, um, which is a, a Nigel Neal uh, anthology series. Dixon of Doc Green, again, which comes back around to the Blue Lamp again, because that was the spin off series from that. Um, it was also in Reg Varney, but that was just a dirty rumour. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jack and Ori, Zed Car, Softly Softly, um, and uh, sort of things like that. So, um, yeah, loads and loads of stuff he was in. Uh, but another, uh, another war film, The Sea Wolves, which I quite like, actually. Hmm. It is based on fact that one the sequels, but uh, no, I do you know I I liked him in Doctor Who. Yeah, I mean he to played be honest. that. He he played that certain character, didn't he? Yes, he did. Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, I, I liked it as, as Professor Watson um, in that because I think it, it was it was just a a I think it was it was quite a well written character and he played it very well and but it was also good as Colonel Wolsey's um, in the Awakening. Um, he just seemed to suit that sort of tough but sort of kindly sort of character, didn't he? Yeah. You know, so no, I, it's a sh- you know, he lived to the age of ninety three, so um, that, yeah, that's that's a, a that's a ripe old age. It's a, a good ripe old age. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, um, but there we go. Sad to uh, start, start and, and yet another podcast with the passing of a, another Doctor Who actor, but uh, yes, unfortunately, I think that that's the uh, the era where we're uh, entering now, isn't it? Well, well, certainly entered, I should say. Um, now, 
what else has been uh, been going on? So, um, as I briefly mentioned at the beginning, there's the sort of some celebratory news um, uh, last month as well. So we had the uh, the twenty years of Big Finish. Um, can you believe it, Paul? Well, twenty years. Doctor Who of Big Finish doing Doctor Who. I think is yes, it is really. To... Yeah, um, because they they have done other things as well, um, hmm. but. I think that they do like 2000 AD stuff beforehand. I've got a funny feeling, but yeah. um, but were you, yeah, you know, back in the day, you know, 1999, were you aware of Big Finish at all? Um, not necessarily. Bits of it, I was actually, to be honest. Yeah, there were there were the odd story that I'd heard, mm. but not to realise that it was, you know, obviously going to become some what it has done. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think it's. Um, I mean, it's an absolute sort of giant now of, of Doctor, and I think for a lot of fans, it's certainly f- and still continues to, you know, to to, to fill in the gaps of uh, you know the, the classic era Doctors. And I know they're now starting to get into sort of like the uh, sort of the Tenth Doctor era and the War Doctor and sort of River Song and things like that now. Um, but yeah, I, I, I mean, to me, I, they're still my sort of go-to place. You know, for, for 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 the continuation of the of the classic series, yeah, and and it's it's you know a sign of how good they are and the quality of they are that they haven't. It wasn't just something that survived during the wilderness period, if you like. It's basically got stronger as the well as it's come back to TV almost. Exactly. I mean, I mean, the fact that they also did their fiftieth anniversary special. Back in 2013, um, I think says it all. Yeah. To be honest, because they're also allowed to celebrate it. I'm glad the BBC allowed them to keep the license um, as well. And they could have quite have easily said, no, um, it's ours now. Uh, but, you know, the fortunate that they sort of they're allowed to keep making these, these, you know, really fantastic audio stories. And I mean, really, it's the, it's the next 20 years, to be honest with you. I mean, to, to be honest, I mean, not, not that you put it past the BBC being stupid enough to do it, but yeah, um, the fact that really, actually, what they the, the series and Big Finish comp, TV series and Big Finish complement each other mm. and draw draw fans in for both. Yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, even goes as far as um, again harking back to the 50th anniversary, uh, the McGann um, special Night of the Doctor. Yeah. Um, before he, he regenerates, he salutes his previous companions, which are all big Finnish companions. So yeah. it's sort of, in a funny way, it sort of le- legitimised big Finnish in, in in a strange way. Yeah, even though for but, a lot of people it didn't need it didn't need legitimising, but I think for a lot of people it was like, well, they've mentioned those companions which we've never seen on television. But yeah, I mean, it, but it, it has been so complimentary complementary to the TV series you know mm. I mean in terms of how it works with there and it works with those doctors yeah and actually you know you sort of get a lot more I think um, a lot more interest in in six watching now on the on the TV having listened to the big finish stuff yes than perhaps I would have given six on the telly, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, no, so no, to actually I'm, want I'm, to watch an episode of that. I'm in total agreement with you on that. Absolutely total agreement. Um, I think you know Colin Baker's a fantastic ambassador for Doctor Who, um, and you begin to wonder why after he was treated so badly. 
Yeah. Um, and I don't know if the... I, I, do you know, because I, I sort of... To be honest, I kind of lost touch with Doctor around about that point when, when Colin Baker... It wasn't the show I watched every week. If it was on, I'd watch it kind of, you know, yeah. kind of thing. Um, and I wasn't particularly aware if the fans didn't like his portrayal of the Doctor or it was just the the upper echelons of the BBC didn't like it. I, I really don't... I can't. I cannot remember at all, but I think um, big finish of of done Colin Baker. Um, you know, you know, a, a massive sort of service there. Yeah. To give him something decent to do, and allow him to to sort of portray the Doctor as he wanted to portray it. Yeah. You know. So and plus the fact, um, you know, they they brought on Maggie Stables as his companion, which is an absolute masterstroke. Yeah, really. Um, so, yeah, I say I, I, I think I've you know not everything they do is is is, is great. I mean, it's the same with, with the with the you know on the TV as well. Not everything that there is good, but there are some absolutely stone cold classic adventures in there. Yes, there really is. And um, you know, as, as I said, long might continue, and here's the next twenty years. Yes, certainly. Yeah. Certainly. So, now um, another celebration. Unfortunately, someone is not around to actually <laughs> celebrate themselves. Obviously, there was the uh, John Pertwee centenary um, as well this month, uh, or last month, I should say. And um, that seemed to sort of again. There was a lot of outpouring of affection for for Pertwee and his doctor on on social media, which, which sort of um, warmed the cockles of my heart actually. Yes. Um, because I do see a lot of, <laughs> I have heard a lot of people not like his doctor. Um, they just can't take to that sort of that sort of patronising, and he is, he is a patronising character. That he's, he's version of the doctor, um, but just to see so many people people come out and sort of celebrate um, his take on him, and also the man himself as well. It was it was really nice to see. Yeah, I think so. I mean, that 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 era. Of Doctor Who was perhaps of its time, but certainly I don't think the the whole third Doctor and unit works so well. Yeah. That actually, I mean, you, everyone sort of complains about, oh, you know, the when you get to um, Davis and the Fifth Doctor about the crowded TARDIS, and we also had, you know, was there going to be a crowded TARDIS? At the moment with Jodie Whittaker because there's three companions. Mm. But basically, if you for a lot of the time, the third Doctor had five or six really. Yeah, companions. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, th- I think the, the way they did it though, they weren't all in the TARDIS. There wasn't always a. No. Um, you didn't always have to find something for them to do. I mean, um, to be honest, it, it was pretty rare if they all appeared in the same story. If I'm honest. It's only a very few that they did. I mean, for a lot of the time, Captain Yates was absent. <laughs> if yeah. I, you know. Um, but, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, it, it, he did deal with that crowd. But I think he sort of... That crowded task. But I think he his doctor played off of that. Yes. He, he was he was that... He was the dandy doctor. And he, he liked to show off. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. All, all that gave him was an audience. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest. Rather than... Well, I think I think that's what Pertwee liked anyway. If yes. I... <laughs> he loved he loved an audience. Um, but did you um, did you listen to the Sean Pertwee? Um, yes, narrated special on BBC Radio Four Extra. It was very good, wasn't it? Yeah, I I, I did enjoy that. Yeah, yeah. I've um, I've surreptitiously recorded that for for uh, posterity actually. So uh, 
yeah, I'm sure I should be keeping uh, keeping hold of that. But uh, yeah, it was um, very interesting, um, and I'm glad it also it, it didn't just cover Doctor Who. It it, it was you know was all Gummidge and his time on the Navy Lark and other things he was doing as well. His whole so, career wasn't it? Well, not his whole career, but you know, yeah, it it it, it gave a a, a run through of him, even to to the extent of his um, naval career as well. Mm. Exactly, because he famously sort of um, transferred off of HMS Hood um, before it was sunk in 1941, which was uh, one of the, the Royal Navy's sort of greatest wartime tragedies. Um, to, um, yeah. You know, it was a hell of a lot of light. But basically, it was almost the entire crew went down on on the ship. So, yeah, it was it was a terrible tragedy. Um, but, yeah, um, he, he, a, a very interesting man who led a very interesting life. Yes. Really, um, yeah. I, I, to, to be honest, I think he'd, he'd love the fuss. Yeah, I, I like to oh. think if if he, if he had made it to a hundred, he, he would have loved it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you get the feeling. Yeah, if, if someone had said to him, how many year, more years after his death he'd still be, they'd be putting on special programs to celebrate. Yeah, his birthday. I think he'd have been overjoyed with that. So. I think so. I certainly think so. So. Um... That, no, it was good. It was. It was not. It, it, I say so we, we're just discuss. It's not really news. We're just discussing, you know, yeah. more about the, the man himself and also about big finish. If I'm honest, it's because I say there's not a lot of actual news to talk nice. about. But no. uh, yeah, this is. Um, it, it was just really nice to see. It really was. It was great. Um, now, there's there's one other thing because uh, as, as we've um, as it's been away, San Diego Comic Con, I think, has um, yeah, it's finished now, hasn't it? Yeah. I, so I don't really keep my finger on the pulse or, on, on that sort of thing. Um, but anyway, um, one program that was absent from the um, SDCC this year was Doctor Who. Um, now, the BBC production office released a tweet, like a little sort of statement, saying that um, they wouldn't be present at that San Diego Comic Con this year um, as they're sort of recording the series right now and they're rather they sort of concentrate on getting the series completed and, you know, giving us the best series they can. You know, the usual stuff they, yeah. they trot out. Um, now, a lot of people, including myself, um, think this is a massive fumble by the BBC. Well, wasn't there some suggestion that actually they had put a two-week break in filming mm. so they could be there? Now, I, I haven't heard in the original, that. In the original schedule. But I don't know whether that's true or not. No, because um, obviously I don't know how much it costs to promote yourself at something like um, San Diego Comic Con. I imagine it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be cheap. Um, but they've been there every year. Yeah, they made sure they were there every year, and and I think while your show's off the air, and there's nothing coming out of the production team whatsoever, apart from one picture of Jodie Whittaker staring at, at a Jadoon. Um, I think it's madness. Actually, yeah. it's 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 the biggest stage to promote your your show or your book, your comic, what you know, your film, whatever it might be, and they decided not to go there. I just, I just find it bizarre. It does seem to be, you know, I mean, I suppose to a certain extent that, that there's there's almost that they can't win because if they go and they show a special trailer there. Then they have oh, the British fans the, get up raw exactly that that they've gone and shown and and done something special in America. So 
I suppose there is that to it as to whether, you know, do they really want to... Well, it's all that thing. It's, it's the promotion, you know. It, it's playing the game, isn't it? That 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 whole, you know, sort of like keeping yourself in the public eye, and, and keeping the excitement going. And I think, to be honest, and I don't know if you, if you feel the same way, but I think right now there is no buzz around Doctor Who whatsoever. No, there's nothing. Absolutely no, nothing. No, I mean, yeah, there, there's a certain case of keeping the lid on things. Which they obviously want to do, mm. but there is, yeah, the fact that you can put it too tight, really, and not. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think, I think one thing that I, it, it, if if you're going to take that much of a break, if you're going to have to have that much of a gap, I won't say break because they're obviously mm. not breaking, but you're going to have that much of a gap between series, and you've got nothing else that relates to it. I mean, it's fine if you've got a a torchwood or even a class that you can put in. Yeah. To break up the and to keep some sort of it in the people's mindset, mm. but yeah, if you're going to have a whole year without without it, it does sort of yeah get pushed to the back really. Yeah, yeah. And that, no, I I put a, a tweet out um, on a Who's podcast um, Twitter feed uh, saying, you know, just you know, bemoaning the you know, the lack of presence at SDCC and I and I and I said it, it smacks of arrogance but I, I I think maybe that was probably too strong a word maybe it's more complacency more than anything else what 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 do you reckon Paul um yeah I'm not sure really I don't I don't think I don't think it's I don't think it's it's arrogance I think they're um I yeah I just I just don't think I think Chibnall actually probably sort of sits there and thinks, well, I've got nothing to say, so I'm not going to bother going along. Well, the, the, the other weird thing about this, he also put Doctor Who forward for an Emmy, um, which I think says a lot about him, really. And I, yeah. I don't want to turn into some sort of um, Chibnall basher here. But if if you're just in for this to, to garner awards... Then I'm I'm sorry. What what is your what is your purpose? You're there to make good television, and I'm sorry. The last series of Doctor Who wasn't good enough to to be awarded an Emmy. None of the episodes were that that good. I know sort of the standouts were things like Rosa and Demons of the Punjab, but really it, it wasn't Emmy worthy. So not not in my view anyway. Yeah. Oh, you already cast your vote, have you? Yes, I have. I have. Yeah. It's it's just really weird because I sort of like I've been thinking back on when we reviewed the last series, and I think and I was probably a bit overly kind to it. You know, um, maybe I should have been a bit more critical because I think looking back on it, it wasn't that great a series. It was very very vanilla. Mm, no, I don't know. I don't know. Quite. I still quite enjoyed it. The odd yeah. episode I wasn't overly yeah, keen well, on, but no, I, I quite enjoyed it. I think. Well, like, the, I don't, I don't uh, know. I mean, there's, there's also the thing getting back to San Diego is basically in the past who. Has been the what is that been BBC America more other than BBC Worldwide or whatever that's been the driving force of creating of what, having for, the what, having the panels promotion yeah yeah um, I'm not entirely sure I I thought I didn't think it was anything to be, to do with BBC America because they just broadcast the show don't they so I think it's probably more to do with like is it BBC Worldwide whatever they're called now. Who, who does all that? But the thing is, though, you've also got—I don't think they've got a proper brand manager at the moment either, because you had Ed Russell, who was the real driving force behind that yeah. kind of thing. Um, then you had Crystal D took over, which she didn't last very long. I, th- I think there's someone else there now, but they do have a stand there. 
for selling merchandise, or did have a standard, I should say. Well, they had um, that competition, but, but, didn't they? Yeah. To, 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 win, to win a trip to London. I know. I mean, was, which sort of suggested, really, where... So half-hearted. Their, 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 their head was on actually being there, doesn't it, really? Because... Yeah, exactly, exactly. But the thing, I'll come back to the, the merchandise thing again. What 13th Doctor merchandise have they got to, there to promote the show? There's nothing. Yeah. A couple of Jodie Whittaker figures and a, and a sonic screwdriver. That's it. Probably the stuff they're going to have there will be, be like a few, you know, it probably if they're looking at figures and stuff, um, it's going to be more sort of classic era and, and, and Eccleston, Tennant, Smith and Capaldi, if I'm honest with you. Yeah. I, I just find it very, very strange. Very, very strange. Um, maybe it's all part of the grand plan. I Some people are saying that they're trying to drive Doctor Who into the, into the ground and finish it. Um, I don't know. It's still one of their biggest earners worldwide, Doctor Who. Um, it was that and Top um, Gear. I don't know if that is so much anymore, but I mean, it it could be that just the fact is that this has actually happened, and it is just so far from a previous series, so far in terms of months from the last series, and so far to the next series mm. that they just didn't really feel they was going to gain anything from actually going and promoting there, because by the time the series comes on. Well, People, it's, it's it's not like you know Marvel that are gonna be un, be announcing what the what the next four years are gonna be like or hmm. whatever is it? I mean, it's... Well, I, I don't know though because you, you had I don't know when I think with, I think it's from series six onwards they've always had a panel. I mean, I mean Moffat I think was the the master at the promotion of the show. I mean it, that's when it got big in America. I think really. Um, and he sort of kept that going. He, he made sure there was a Christmas special every year, even though he wanted to leave the you know leave the the show. He should yeah. have wound it up before. No, I, I'll, I'll hang on so it, it keeps that Christmas Day slot. And then Chudnall comes along, and it's all gone. Now, I, to be honest, I, I don't mind the it not being on Christmas Day. Too. I just think it's a bit of a weird day to be sitting down watching Doctor Who, if I'm honest with you. Yeah. But you know, I'll, I'll take any new Who. Um, but the fact that you know your predecessor put all that effort into it and stayed on longer than he wanted to, yeah. to ensure it kept that time slot because he felt it was important for the show, and then Chidnell comes along and thought, ah, nah, New Year's Day instead. So I, I, I don't know what's going through the man's mind, really. Yeah. No, I don't know. I mean, it's it, it is a question. I mean, because actually we don't know. I mean, we're sitting here, we don't know. In past, have they analysed in past years how much uh, do they feel they get from being there? Well, it does promote the show, but whether it's whether it's it's good or bad, people will talk about Doctor Who. Even it's people moaning about the fact they've just shown a trailer that's not seen in the UK, it keeps people talking about Doctor Who. And at the moment, so, nobody's talking about Doctor Who apart from the likes of us. <laughs> well, I was going to say though. I mean, is there now a case that by not going, they've actually generated more, <laughs> more tweets and more time felt by well by fans of the show than they would have done going and not really having much to say. I th- did. You know what? I'm, I, I don't know how much you sort of keep an eye on your on your Twitter feed, Paul. But I, I, there's not a lot of buzz about who at all. No. Really? Well, yeah. Yeah. There, there's nothing at all. Nobody's really talking about it, um, which is, uh, which is a shame. So, there you are. 
there you are. So um, and no doubt this will come out of the wash eventually. There'll be mm. some sort of article asking Chibnall why he didn't do it. So, oh, well, we'll see. So um, I think it just about wraps up this so-called news section for another month, yes. doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, so that's it for another month then. So we'll be um, talking about our um, series, the, the end of our Series 1 retrospective uh, fairly soon. Okay, everybody. Now, before we get on to our, uh, our main review uh, of this uh, podcast, we have another little um, mini-review for you. Now, we were uh, contacted by uh, someone by the name of uh, Chris McKeon. I haven't pronounced your name correctly there, um, uh, there Chris. Now, um, he began uh, an audio production group called Black Glove Studios. And in conjunction with another audio group called Studio 7, um, he's written and recorded um, a seven-part full-length um, story of, of Doctor Who, and it's based on the final game. Now, this was the planned and unmade final adventure for Roger Delgado's Master, and that would have rounded also rounded out um, John Pertwee's last season as well. So, um, what Chris has done, he's very sort of kindly sent us along um, episode one. Now, he's released it, released it out as just sort of like a little a taster for the rest of the series. Um, Paul and I have, have both listened to it. Um, what, what do you think, Paul? It, it's not, it's not big finish, and I don't mean that in a, in a disparaging way. It they, uh, to my mind, they clearly set out to, to not be big finish. Yeah, um, and I actually, I mean, I quite liked it yeah. in terms of um, story, and at, at points it did get the, did get an atmosphere going. I think. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the. Um, the standout, really. Uh, obviously, we, we, at the moment, we don't know who the who the the voice actors are no. uh, for for this. But the um, the actor who's doing um, John Pertwee gives Tim Truel a good run for his money. Yes, it's very very good, actually, very very good. Um, so you've got, um, and I quite like the the limited amount of the master as well. Yes, the, yes. He um, the... he doesn't dominate. Well, so it doesn't dominate this episode anyway. No. No, but you've—I mean—you've got the, you know, um, the Brigadier, Captain Yates, um, Sarah Jane Smith, Sergeant Benton. So they're all—they're um, all present and correct in this one, aren't they? But um, but they, those this is sort of set quite some months after sort of previous Doctor of, of that season stories, isn't it? Because you've got, in between of this, you've also got the Ghost of End Space. Yes, falls in between these stories as well, but it mentions um, invasion of the dinosaurs, Operation Golden Age. Um, well, yeah, we we seem, it seems to be set, doesn't it, between in that period between invasion of the dinosaurs and Planet of the Spiders, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. Well, this, this well, Planet of the Spiders wouldn't have happened because this yeah. this would have been this is the last story of that season. Yeah. So Planet of the Spiders was replaced this story. So, yeah. um, so I suppose really it would have been. In, in that kind of order. And what was the, what was the other Pertwee audio story he did with Liz Sladen and Nicholas Courtney for the BBC? Um, I can never remember this one. The Paradise of Death. Ah, that was it. Paradise of Death. Well done. Well, well I could remember. I could remember it was paradise. I thought it was paradise, but I didn't trust myself. 
<laughs> oh well, no, well done, sir. Well done. I can never remember that one at all. Um, yeah, now th- th- this, I think this is quite an ambitious project uh, by Chris and his team actually, because it's this first episode goes on for an hour. Now I don't yeah. know if the remaining six episodes go on for the same length or not, um, but it's quite an undertaking. And we were sort of discussed beforehand. It's not even something we we feel that Big Finish would even do. Yeah, I can't. Th- I mean, most of theirs are two-hour stories, aren't they? You know. You get sort of what is it? They do four half hour yeah. episodes, sort of thing, to make up a story. Yeah, that's it. That's it. So, I mean, um, so what, what do you think of this actual sort of story? I mean, obviously, the part one doesn't give a lot away, um, but I, th- I think it, it, it certainly um, piqued my interest. And plus, the fact I know nothing about the final game. Yeah, I mean, that that, that, that may well be an advantage because yeah. I don't either, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and I was there, yeah, I was quite interested. So, I don't know how. Well, this, how much this keeps to what that was, mm. and how much is written, especially for this audio. Um, but yeah, and I, I, I enjoyed it as a story actually, and I'm yeah quite interested to read to listen to the to the rest of it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and as I say, I think it's a massive undertaking, but by everybody concerned, really. And I, I, I must admit, I'm looking forward to listening to the rest of it when yeah. it comes out. Actually, so um... I mean, we've we've referenced both Big Finish and we've referenced, as this does, the Ghost of Endspace. Um, I don't think this um, is can can be dis- you know is is not as we said at Big Finish, but it's not you know it, it's it's perfect. It's, it's Ghost of Endspace wasn't up to Big Finish standards and was perfectly acceptable. Yeah. And if this is a sort of a first start, then there's obviously promise there. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think I, I must I must mention because there there is a, a narrator linking the scenes in this as well. Um, and I, I, I again I don't know who who the uh, who the voice actor is, but they given it their best, Richard Burton. Yes. Uh, yeah, yes. <laughs> we, we we did feel that we was going to get some mention of the Martians and whatever at some point, didn't we? No, it it was um it was a very very good impression of Richard Burton. If that's what they're aiming for, well done, sir. <laughs> I, think, I think it is. I think it is a hard thing to do with with audio stuff to actually be the confidence to be able to just say right, okay, we're going to do it all by sound and all by the actual. A script of people interaction with each other, rather than and cut out the the bit that explains the where we are. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there there is also a slight thing with this story is because it's sort of set. There's there's several months that pass between the start and the the bit we're up to. Mm. Yeah, because so. it, yeah, it, it sort of references the master landing there, and he's there for like is it six months later or something, yeah. isn't it? And there's other other adventures happening in between, which you see yeah. on the television. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the whole story sort of it sort of bookends those kind of stories, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So and hard hard to do that without putting some narration in. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So no, well done. So I think we're looking forward to um, to hearing the rest of it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. The more the mirror in the. The, the world of Pertwee um, for us yeah. anyway yeah certainly yeah. for me it's my favourite doctor <laughs> yeah. so yeah I think yeah I think it was interesting I'd, I'd be interested to to hear more
Okay, everybody, it's finally here. We're going to talk about the parting of the ways. The fleet's descending. They're bombing whole continent. Europa. Pacifica. The new American alliance. Gone. You know what they call me in the ancient legends of the Dalek homeworld? The oncoming storm. Doesn't it just burn when you face me? There's an army about to invade this station. I need every last citizen to mount a defense. And if you hear fighting up above, if you hear us dying, then tell me that the Daleks aren't real. The words Bad Wolf spread across time and space everywhere, drawing me in. Defenses have gone offline. The planet will become my temple and we shall rise. This War! TARDIS detected! In flight! Launch missiles! Exterminate! You can't! The TARDIS hasn't got any defenses! You're gonna kill him! Exterminate! So tell me, how did you survive the time war? They survived through me! Now, before we uh, actually get uh, stuck into this one, we did have a, a, a couple of comments about this story when we um, posted this up on Facebook. And uh, first things first, we had uh, Jeff Waddle, um, who says, still one of my favourite finales, um, only beaten by the Pandorica one. Um, yeah, I can agree with that. I mean, the Pandorica is, is a, again, that's another high bar, isn't it? Of yeah. uh, Doctor Who finales, but uh, no, I I, I I would agree with that, Jeff. I would agree with that. So um, next up, we have John Michael Lindsay. He says um, it felt like a sad loss of a great actor in the role, but such a strong way to go out. The anger, the passion, the desperation, and even humour—just what a talent Chris Eccleston is. Although I enjoyed David, David Tennant's tenure in the role, I really wished we'd have been lucky enough to see Chris in a second series. Thanks, John Michael. Mm -hmm. um, and then Ian Key says, about bloody time. It's been going on longer than Brexit. Uh, I mean, uh, review. Yes, you're right, Ian, it has. Um, but he says, agree with John Michael. It's a shame we didn't get a second series with Eccleston. He and the show were just finding their feet, and I think it deserved to, to enjoy being in the spotlight. Uh, the episode itself was wonderful, an epic way to end a season. Everything worked and pretty much paid off. Still one of the best climaxes to a season since the show returned. All right, thank you there, everybody, for your um, your contribution there. Much appreciated. Um, so, obviously, what did we think? And, um, well, you, you have the honour, Paul, of rounding this retrospective off. Um, right. What did you think? Um, the problem with this episode... <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I think, in some ways, the problem with this episode is... The fact that it was quite a big ending story. It was the sort of Russell T Davies big ending to a mm -hmm. series story. And because this one really worked, it didn't put him off doing others. No, I think that's the... Yeah, it's, it's sort of... Yeah, how can you put it? If this was like the, you know, the, 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 the uh, what do you call it? The, um, the foundation stone. Yeah. For, for everything else that came after. Really? And, it, and, and this and this because this and this does work, and it wasn't just because it worked because it was the first time we saw it, and we was happy to accept it. I mean, we've now come back through everything mm. to get to this again, and 
it's yeah, it agree with the the fact that of the Russell T Davies, definitely of the Russell T Davies final episodes of series. This this is easily the best. Yeah, I mean, I mean, as they went on, they got more and more ridiculous and overblown, and um, but I suppose that makes for, it, it, it's event television. That's what he was I mean, aiming for, I mean, wasn't I mean, it? To, to be honest, there's bits of this that are ridiculous and overblown. I mean, bringing in the whole do Daleks believe in God? Well, I, I do you know what? I don't, I don't mind that because they they weren't pure Dalek, were they? Yeah. No, yeah, no, no, no. But I mean, in terms, in terms, if you're talking about big ideas and and you've got yeah. masses of Daleks, you've got the Earth being attacked and areas of the Earth being wiped out and all that. Well, I think to, you know, to, yeah, yeah, it was it was big and overblown. But I suppose that it's not doing anything Doctor Who stories haven't done before. Hmm. With, with 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 you know with the Daleks trying to take over the Earth, and I think in this he wanted to show they've basically nearly done it. Yeah, I mean, really, what, you know what what I was going to go on to say. If you'd give me a chance now, I think to me to start <laughs> um, is the fact that where this is different and where this works is the individual scenes between people mm. work so well. Oh God, yeah, that it gives it that grounding to which the other stuff can just sort of. Orbit, if you like. Mm. Uh, that the actual thousands of Dalek ships and um, Emperor Daleks and God Daleks and whatever. Yeah, doesn't actually isn't actually really the story. No, it's not. At the end, in you know, in the heart of this, it's still the Doctor and Rose, isn't it? Yeah. Um, which is again, this is what sort of put people off of it, you know. You know, when you who some some of the classic fans, I should say, you know, it should never be all about the companion. It should only be about the Doctor saving the day. But this is television for the modern era, isn't it? I mean, yeah, but but yeah, and but to a certain extent, I mean, but it hasn't got it hasn't gone to the um, the Rose Tenth Doctor era of you know it being a sort of a love story. It's still about the Doctor and the Companion and the Companion's life being open to new experiences. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And that's what she's missing. It's not even it's not even to a large extent the Doctor when she's back at the end in the cafe talking to Mickey and Jackie. Mm. It's the fact that she doesn't want to go back to her mundane life. She, it's not that she wants to go back to the Doctor. No, she just wants to have that excitement. Yeah. Really. It, um, it's, it's, it's what life he's opened up to her. Yeah. Although, and, and I must admit, I never noticed this before on, on previous viewings, um, but this one, jo, uh, Josie's, Rose's uh, jealousy, I should say, not, not, not Josie's relacy, um, Rose's jealousy does rear its ugly head in this with Linda with a Y. Yes, when when she comes back yeah, into the room and he's talking to her. Yeah, it's very, very subtle, and I've never noticed it until now. Um, so it, it's, even at this stage, yeah, she's very jealous of anybody else wanting to travel with the Doctor. I mean, but that, that again, may not be jealousy of the Doctor. That might just be that she fears being replaced as somebody to... She, she wants to be that person... That he shows, yeah, 
I mean, I know they, they do address this one in the next series with with, with um, school reunion, but yeah, um, that 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 sort of ran home why I didn't like the character of Rose. She was a very jealous and possessive character, especially as, yeah. as it as it went on, um, and it was all about her and the Doctor rather than, as you say, in this it's more about not wanting to go back to a mundane life. Yeah, you know. So, um, but it, it, I mean, as John Michael and um, Ian's um, as said there um had he got a second series um because that's Alan Partridge now but um but if if he had done one do you think they would have gone down the romance route could you have seen Eccleston's doctor doing that I don't know I mean I I would have said no other than as you've just said that scene there I think did sort of I think Russell T Davis was Really he, he was, setting Rose yeah. up to be... Rose was going to be very protective about the Doctor. Yeah. And her place with him. Mm. Um, it was. I think it was easier with, with Tennant's Doctor to, to do that. I'm not quite sure that Eccleston's Doctor could have just switched to being that sort of... Romantic sort of that lead sort, yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. 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 He was too... He was probably... Too doctorish, if you like. I think Tennant's doctor was more, more towards the sort of average person. Yeah. Whereas Eccleston's doctor very much just saw the whole picture and the world as a, as a thing rather than wanting to be part of it. Yeah. No, no, no. I, 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 I do agree with you. I do agree with you. I, I, I. You so say it, it definitely suited. Um, Tenant's Doctor, and I think it probably made that that transition for Rose's character that much easier. Yeah, um, you know. In, yeah, in the I mean, it would have it would have been interesting to have seen how they'd have written it for with with Eccleston. Eccleston, yeah. Um, certainly, I mean, the whole, I mean, in in and that sort of bit on that is is what makes Eccleston so good in this episode. Mm. Is how his Doctor sees the world and sees everything. Yeah, because it's it's that bit um, when when they sort of land on on the on the um, on the Dalek ship and they face off against the uh, the Emperor Dalek for the first time, and he gets back in the in the TARDIS again, and all the darts are crying exterminate exterminate at him, um, and he just sort of rests his head, yeah, against the door, um, and up until then he's been sort of uh, been a bit flippant and a little bit of gurning going on, but it's. I think this this particular episode just showed that was all a facade for that doctor. Yeah, it's all bravado, bravado, bravado. Yes, bravado, <laughs> or bravara. Yes, yes. yes. Um, yeah, no, yeah. yeah it's it, it sort of. It, it was just there. There was a there was there was somebody who thought he'd never have to hear that again. Yeah. Yeah, he thought he thought that was over, and and, and probably but... in, in in and in that you sort of got the feeling in that was the fact that I've everything I've done, I've done for nothing. Yeah. Because there is the line, isn't there, about the fact that the the it destroyed the Time Lords, but that you know that was the war that destroyed the Time Lords. But at that point, I thought it was it was worth the trade to to lose the Dark. Whatever, I can't remember exact line, but it was basically saying that you know the fact that it wiped out the Daleks as well was worth was worth it. I could convince myself it was worth it. Yeah, and then they're there. 
And it's hey. almost like a case of, well, that was for nothing then. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. No, I. Do you know what I think? I think this episode is where it really came together for for his doctor. Yeah. And I think had it had it gone on, I think that he would have grown in, in the role, and I think he would have been a bit more comfortable. Yeah. In the role as well, because I think he because he's already said he he didn't feel comfortable doing the comedic aspects, and I think maybe they might have toned that down, possibly in the next series. Because I, th- I think you know um, he was finding his feet in the role. Yeah, the production team were finding their feet. He didn't like the way the production team were, were operating. That's why he left. Um, if they could have worked out their differences, it, it might have been. I mean, Doctor Who could have gone off a completely different direction. Yeah, it'd have been interesting. Yeah, to to have seen episodes of Doctor Who written by people who have seen this series. Yes, for him, and seen what he can bring to the role. And what he's good at in the role, and what he's not so good at. Yeah. No, no, I agree. And then start to tailor the episodes for to that would have yeah, yeah to him. Yeah. 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 So I I think he's um, no it is it is a crying shame he he, he didn't um, he didn't do another series but uh, but anyway I mean back to the actual we talked about enough about Eccleston but what about the actual story itself I know we said it's a bit overblown and but as we said the the character moments in between are very very good. Um, I like this sort of this story is almost like the redemption of Captain Jack. Yeah. As well to a certain degree. And to us I don't think the character's ever been I don't think they've ever quite got Captain Jack after this series. I don't think that, that you know, Torchwood it wasn't the Captain Jack of Doctor Who. Uh, when he has come back to Doctor Who, he wasn't the Captain Jack of Torchwood or this particular series of Doctor Who either. I I you well, know I, I mean I mean to to a certain extent though. That sort of fitted the the journey he'd had. Um, <laughs> but, you know, because you've got to remember, the Captain Jack, by the time we get to Torchwood, and by the time he comes back into Doctor Who, is years, hundreds, thousands years old? Well, hundreds of years, because he uses Vortex manipulators, and he lands in Victorian England, yeah. doesn't he, or something? Yeah. Yeah. So, he's been through a lot by then, and he's... And he's I'd say grown up. I think here he's still transitioning from that sort of almost playboy into um, someone who's having to deal with stuff he'd never expected. Yeah, but I think, yeah, as I say, I think this this is the episode where he he does kind of he does kind of grow up. Yeah, he he does go off and and and, and do his own thing. He tries to rally the you know the the people on um, Satellite Five to form some sort of. Sort of very, very, very crude defence force yeah. against the invading Daleks. Um, yeah, I, I, I just think he, he was John. I don't think John has never been any better. No, in the role, to be honest, I, re- I really don't. Um, as, as, you know, and I, I mean, I just like the fact he still he still wants to continue playing Captain Jack, which I think mm. is brilliant. He, he, you know, he, he's never he's never lost that love of the of the character, whether it's in Doctor yeah. or Torchwood. He's still more than willing to, to keep coming back and doing it. The difference here is his Captain Jack isn't weighed down by um, expectation. No, no. Or leadership, even. He's still... Because even when he comes back into Doctor Who, there's still a sense that, yeah, he's, you know, still got to be making his own decisions. Mm. Whereas I think here, he's st- you know, he's he's much... Happier just to let the doctor lead. Yeah. No. No. You're, no. You are right. I'm not. I'm not going to. Um, yeah. Disagree. I think it's, it's that. 
it's at the end he sort of starts taking charge for himself, doesn't he? He's not because yeah. he because the basically him and Doctor Rose go their separate ways, sort of right yeah. about the mid the midpoint of the um, um, of the story. Yeah, he he's left to to to, to do the defences, isn't he? While the Doctor works, so. yeah, yeah. Um, but of course, he, he does get to utter um, Russell T Davies' favourite line every time the Daleks are involved or on a bit. But ladies and gentlemen, we are at war. <laughs> That's such a corny line, it really is. <laughs> but um, yeah, now I think obviously um, we—I don't think we can go through this without talking about Linda with the Y as well. Yeah, um, and I, I, I think had let's say if if um, what's that? What's the name? Um, Billy Piper had left this at the end of this series, and they hadn't killed off Linda with the Y. I think she would have made a, a, a very good. Companion yeah, yeah, yeah. Artists, you actually, actually get the feeling, yeah. Had had halfway through production of this, it had been Billy Piper that said she was leaving rather than Christopher Eccleston. Yeah, I think Linda with the wise fate would have been a lot different. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I think we may well have they may well have swapped places. Yeah, um, but I think she's. I mean, Joe John is a, a, a very very good actress, and that scene where she witnesses um, the extermination. Of, of of the uh, people in Satellite Five hiding yeah. in, in the lower levels, um, well, it was so well done. And again, they didn't have to show anything either. No, you you're just witnessing her reaction, um, and you can hear what's going on. And it is so You've been well told done. What was happened? Yes. Yeah. Um, um, it, yeah. Yeah. I, I thought that was great. I thought it was absolutely great. Um, but of course, that that bit with the with um, when they're starting to burn through. What's where she's hiding, and yeah. and, and even now, even though it still makes the hairs on the back of my neck stand up when you see the darts float up in space in the in, in in the window, and you just see the ear the ear um, the ears flash, yeah. exterminate. You don't hear anything. You just hear you, and you know exactly what's happening. And I thought that was one of the best things they've done since they bought <laughs> bought the series back. Yeah, I did. Apart from, I'm starting to watch it now, and I'm thinking, and the line that's kept going through my head is, "You'll be safe in that area. It's heavily fortified for defences against meteors." Yeah. Hmm. As long <laughs> as I don't come through the window. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, so, so, but but the window's a weak point, all right? So yeah, we put a big glass window in there, right? Okay. <laughs> I can forgive it cause just because of that scene, really. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, I mean, very, yeah. Very I, mean, it, I mean, the temptation to to not. I mean, yeah. I, I think, I think, I think the scene was all right leaving in there, but perhaps, perhaps I wonder where, when that bit of dialogue was written. Yeah, he'd had the idea that they was gonna fly from the, the outside. outside. Yeah. No, I, I think it's it's such a such a great thing, and also the doctor's reaction when he hears a scream as well. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I, 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 it's brilliant. But obviously, when you get back to Rose being on Earth, and I do like that bit as well. He tricks Rose to, and, and sends her home, um, and that hologram of him in, in the TARDIS. Yeah. Um, and that bit when he just turns around, and looks at her, and says, "Has ha, you know, have a good life." Yeah, because he knows exactly where she'd be st- when he recorded that. He knew exactly what her reaction would be and yeah. where she'd be standing. Yeah. So I thought that really well done. Really well yeah. done. Um, but the obviously, I think between the and brief- actually his reaction when he comes running out, you know, the, the whole bit where he's tricked her and then he runs out saying, oh, "I'm going to get so and so," yeah, and then just stops and slowly turns and sends and her away. Sends her away. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
So I thought that was great. But the one thing that uh, in this though is um, I like the fact that Mickey comes running because he, he heard he heard that he said nothing else makes yeah. a, makes a noise like that. But it's that bit at the end where they're trying to open the console and all of a sudden he's now got a Mini Cooper. Yeah. So in the first episode, he had, he had a classic um, Beetle, VW Beetle, and now he's got a classic Mini Cooper. So he's a bit of a petrol head, Mickey, isn't he, on the quiet? Although, doesn't he work in a garage? So are Maybe, they necessarily but... his cars? Well... It... <laughs> <laughs> and you're never going to that garage if they do that with a Mini Cooper. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> now, for fair play to Mickey, he's, he's, he's a fan of a Mini. There you go. So... <laughs> But um, no, I I um I do and, like and actually the fact that he works in a garage and it's Jackie that has to go and get the tow truck. Has to go get the tow truck. Oh no! Oh no! I mean that that was actually the bit when I watch it and I just think to myself that is actually the bit most fur, most far fetched bit because I don't think there was any circumstances where Jackie would have helped Rose go back. No, I don't think so either. Actually, um, especially as she sort of Rose admitting that, that it was her. With Pete when he died, yeah. um, that just sort of sent you know, Jack, not not off, didn't send Jackie off the deep end, but she was sort of like she don't now stop it, you know. She it was it was too much for her, really. Yeah. And I and I think after that, I, as you say, I, there's definitely no way she would have let her go back with the doctor. No, because 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 if anything, that then reminded her of the fact that she's lost Pete. Yeah, and the last thing she'd have then wanted to do was lose Rose. Yeah. So yeah, so, I, I, yeah. So, so that for for all the <clears throat> the fact of the I mean the, the scene in the as I say in the the cafe or whatever. Yeah. Working, I felt that just actually didn't. I could understand. I could understand Mickey doing it because they had the point where Mickey really does just accept there and then that that's it, isn't it? Really. Yeah, he does. Yeah. And that's when he thinks, oh, well, okay, if you're not... Yeah, again, it's that Rose being a complete and utter bitch to, to Mickey. Yeah. So, that I, you know, there's there's nothing for me here now. Yeah. Like that. And it was... Yeah, I mean, Mickey's absolutely crestfallen. Um, yeah. Yeah, it, it, again, it, it comes back to that jealous, selfish side of Rose again, doesn't it? Yeah. Very, very unthinking about what she says. Yeah. You know, long, long as she gets her own way, that's why I never really took to the character of Rose. I, I didn't find her a particularly n- nice character. No, really. But um, but now this this comes on to the well, we're talking about Rose and you know them trying to open the open the TARDIS console. This brings me to my the the bit of the story I've never really understood. Now I know they do this to set up the whole Bad Wolf thing. You get the power for for Bad Wolf. She takes in the time vortex yeah. into her mind. Now, the doctor takes it out of her. and that it's kill- less time in, in him. Less time in him, and it kills him. Yeah. Why doesn't it affect her? As they ever, as, was it explained at all? No. Because even when I first watched it back in 2005, why isn't Rose dying now as well? And even after he repeated... <laughs> hey, you really didn't like Rose, did you? I didn't. No, no. Why are you dying? <laughs> You've been saying that since episode one of the series. <laughs> why isn't Rose dying now? Why, oh, why, oh, why? Um, no, so... And even on repeated viewings, I still haven't figured figured it out. 
Yeah, no, because he'd lose the plot. Well, yeah, because even at the, the end, when, he, when he's when he's about to regenerate, he said, you know, I've had, I've took in the, you know, the, the time vortex, and nobody's supposed to do that. When he says every yeah. cell in these bodies dying, why, why, yeah, yeah, why doesn't that affect why, Rose? Why, why isn't Rose? Why oh, why oh, why? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that is that is always been the, the one of the biggest plot points in yeah. this, isn't it? Is the fact that yeah. Um, now, um, do you think it's a bit of? Um, I, I, I think we, everyone used this phrase quite a lot when it comes to Russell T Davis payoffs. Uh, a bit of a doubt set ex machina ending. She just she just pops up and wipes the Daleks out of existence. I don't know. I mean, it sort of works. I mean, other than the fact that it doesn't kill her, it's, I think it sort of works in that sense. Yeah. For, I just I yeah. just thought I just if thought it, it was a bit of a lame ending to such a good episode. I think it kind of it kind of let the side down a bit because it sort of let the Doctor off the hook, kind of. I mean, there's also a question on that is. Why didn't the Time Lords do that during the Time War? Sacrifice a couple of them to just wipe just out wipe the them out of existence. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't make a okay. It's easy. It's easy to I mean, say in hindsight. They didn't know what they were going to do. War, with the time the, war, war, the war Doctor would have been much better doing that than he would do. Yeah, traipsing around in a barn in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> <laughs> trying to reason with a machine. Yes. <laughs> No, I'm, I'm I'm being very very picky, but it, it just it, I just felt that sort of let let it down somewhat, to be honest. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, but that's what I say. I mean, but it it's that it's not really this story isn't really about isn't really about that. If it had to rely just on the the actual Dalek story bit of it, I don't think it is a great story. Uh, but what no. it is a good story is is basically. How the doctor's coping with it? Yeah. How he's coping with the fact that he's taken a companion into trouble? Yeah. And what he does there, and even yeah, Linda with Hawaii. How yeah. he how do he you... feels about the fact that he's promised her that he'll look after her. Yeah. And... Do you know what? There was there was another bit in this, and I, and I felt stupid for not realising it sooner. Um, you know the bit when they materialise round Rose and the Dalek and Jack. Blows the yeah. Dalek up when they land on the, uh, the the Dalek mothership, and the Doctor's looking at the room, what's left of of the Carlid mutant, which he thinks is a Carlid mutant inside. Now, I, if you look at the the dead creature, it's got two eyes, and I just right. thought, and for years I just thought, well, why has that got, why is that, you know, Dalek's only got one eye, you know, the Carlid mutant only got one eye. Why has this one got two? And and you've got the Doctor taking a great deal of interest before he goes out and talks to the Daleks. Yeah. And I think at that point, he realises there's something wrong. It's not a proper Dalek. And it makes perfect sense now that this this Dalek music's got two eyes because it's made from a human. Yeah. And the only true Dalek on that ship is is the Emperor Dalek. Yeah. So, and, for, and I, I felt really stupid for not spotting that years ago. Yeah, no, I mean, I, to be honest, I hadn't really... No, no. It's only time I w- w- watched it recently. I thought the the penny finally dropped. Why that one's got two eyes? Why the doctor's taking such an interest in it? Because he he sees there's something not quite right here, you know. So yeah, um, yeah it, and and basically the emperor died, but well, it sort of confirms it for him. I mean, I get I get quite caught up in the fact that once he steps outside, that force field and off stretch. Hmm. <laughs> Don't it just? 
Crikey, yeah, you get so I'm, sure a long one, way. I'm sure at one point there's some Daleks between the Doctor and the, the TARDIS <laughs> when he's talking to the Emperor. <laughs> oh dear. No, it, it, made, it made for a good scene anyway. Yes. It made for a good scene. But uh, yeah, and it started sort of the long line of the Doctor being flippant in the face of the Daleks, sort of, you know, when he, he, he lambasts their attempts at uh, trying to exterminate him. Yeah. Really. But I did like that thing with when he's. Um, when Jack says about the extrapolated shield, he won't hold forever. And he said, oh, well, I wasn't, or whatever it was. He said, oh, I was hoping they would oh, yes, find, it's, find it's, out it's, about it's, that. It's, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's totally imp- impenetrable, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> he comes out and says, well, nearly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did like that. But um, but then, of course, you get the, you get the regeneration scene. Um, and again, this was something different at the time. We hadn't seen a regeneration quite like that. But it was, I think it was perfectly obvious that Eccleston didn't stand around for too long to film his regeneration because because when you've got that very crudely CGI'd um, regeneration head, it's quite clearly Tennant. <laughs> yeah, and not Eccleston at that point. It's it, it's more definitely more Tennant. Um, I think you get more Eccleston in the regeneration scene between from the War Doctor. To <laughs> I think you yeah, at, at the end of. <laughs> Oh dear, he didn't want to stick around for our regeneration, did he? <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, yeah I mean, but I think, I think that I think that worked, and I think the whole explaining regeneration worked. If you've got a new audience, well, yes, of course, because they're, they're, I mean, this, this 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 was actually a, a really early test of of how the new, of, of a new audience going with. Yeah, because yeah, because you got you got people who have just come to the show, watched it for the very first time. This is this is their first Doctor. Yeah, and it's also their first Doctor's regeneration as well. In some ways, do you think, seeing as we're here, yeah, that Eccleston only being one series helped because people didn't get that attachment to him that would have sent a turn around and said, oh, "I'm not going to watch it anymore if he's not in it." Um, I, I, I'm not sure about that. Actually, I'm not sure. I, I don't know whether whether people get used to Doctor with, with Eccleston because we certainly get. because it certainly happened to a certain extent with Tennant, and we'd already they'd already established re-established the regeneration thing there. Mm. That because Tennant had been the Doctor for so many years. Yeah. Whereas, had you say had Eccleston for three, four, well, three series mm. before he regenerated, would that have been a long enough time for people to say, actually, that's 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 my time watching this over now. I'm gonna go on to something else. Well, the, really. the, I mean, let's let's say in in an alternate, but because it was only that one series, there yeah, was, was still I was gonna the say, whole in an alternate timeline. Let's say that, as you say, Eccleston has stuck around for a second, possibly third series. And then Tennant took over. Let's, yeah. let's, let's say Tennant was still going to take over. Um, now, at the point he did take over, he just finished making um, what's it called? Casanova. Yeah. For our, with RTD. So let's just say he did Casanova. People knew him from that, but then he went and did other things. Yeah. And then came in as the Doctor after Rickerson had done his second or third series. So. You you could be right and saying that people are saying, well, now they've known David Tennant from other things. They said, well, I don't like him. I'm not going to watch it. 
Um, I'm not even saying that. I'm just saying. I just well, no, I'm just saying because he, he wasn't. He wasn't. He was an unknown quantity. So everyone knew who Chris Freckleston was. Yeah. And it was. And it was quite a. And oh, thought, no, it, no. It, it was a coup to get him because he was. He was viewed as as being a serious actor. I yeah. I think, although to a certain extent, I think it would have happened anyway. That Tennant was as soon as Eccleston declared he wasn't doing it. That I suspect Tennant was going to get the job, and actually, the fact that he'd been in Casanova mm. probably did make him quite a—I want to say hot doctor then, but that sounds a wrong. That sounds like part of the wrong, Paul. Yes, indeed. Um, well, no, I'm just saying if if he had gone on to, I do... can't get very protected of him. You know <laughs> no, I think the point um, I was trying to make there is that. Eccleston had established himself more with with the Doctor Who fandom. Yeah, he stuck around. Another Doctor had come along, and people go, "Well, no, um, I'm not going to watch it anymore because Eccleston's left." Because I think that that might have happened, and you think you would have started possibly yeah. all over again. But I think when when he left, when he did, you still had that that initial how can I put new fan base yeah. car- carried over. Yeah, and maybe was, that maybe that might still, not have it, happened if it he was had something stuck around. That, yeah, it was just something. Oh, this happens then at the end of a series, almost. You know. Yeah, yeah. There wasn't a. There really wasn't a. As you know, as good as Eccleston was in it, there wasn't a. You know, oh, he's my doctor. I don't think you'll find there's many people that will say Eccleston was their doctor. No, uh, do you, do in, you the, think... in the same ways that we might say, Pertwee was or Baker was or you know. Yeah, I mean, do, I was mean, going to say. Um, do you, do you think Eccleston is kind of the you know almost like the forgotten doctor? Um to a certain extent but probably through his own making. Mm. Cuz he has because, distanced himself since, isn't it? I know he's because, sort of, he's mellowed a bit now. Because he distanced himself right almost from the moment he stopped having to do he was contractually obliged to do stuff. Yes, indeed, yeah. He yeah he he did sort of go. I know sort of people have sort of, and I think actually not coming back for the fiftieth as well. I I still wonder whether if the fiftieth was next year, whether he'd do it. Whether he, yeah, yeah. Whether he'd have done it because he ha- he has softened his stance quite a bit yeah. since the fiftieth. Um, but the thing is though, he's still. I think people have sort of criticised him for, you know, he, he hates Doctor Who, you won't go to conventions, or, he, or he, he didn't at the time go to conventions, you won't talk about Doctor Who, blah, blah, blah. Um, but the fact that, he, you know, he was contractually obliged, even though he, he sort of, um, he didn't like the way the crew were being treated by the, by the production team, as, yeah. as, as it now turns out. Um, and that's why he left. He didn't like that way of working. He didn't get on with John Barrowman either, and I, I, you know, and I think he's to this day he still doesn't particularly like John Barrowman. Um, but I think, like Colin Baker, I think he's still a good ambassador to, to, for the show. Yeah, because he's he's never slagged off Doctor Who. He's never slagged off the fans yeah. or anything he's, like he's, that. Yeah, he's he 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 he's talked about you know he didn't like the production but he's never actually turned around and said oh it's a silly show anyway or anything like no, that. No exactly and he, and he's done some like really sort of sweet things for like for um, recording videos as the doctor for yeah. kids. Uh, didn't he do something for a, um, a couple that a, a guy just proposed in a, in a restaurant in New York? 
Mm, he did this right. a couple of years back, and he, and he he came in and you know he wasn't dressed as the doctor, but he, he sort of pretended to be because he knew somebody said he was a um, this guy was or his wife was a, a this, his fiance was a big Doctor Who fan or something, and he came across to congratulate, which I thought was was a really nice thing to do. So considering that oh he, he, he you know he, he won't talk about the show, he you know he hates it, blah blah blah, and that's just the fandom. Or certain yeah. uh, oh, no, sets of fans that just story being bitter thinking, again. Thinking, thinking, I hope if the if if the bloke, if the man, arranged it all, that it was that his wife was a was a fan, because I'm not quite sure how that would go down. We're proposing to somebody who doesn't like Doctor Who, and it's and here's my special guest. Yeah, <laughs> I, it's, no, the thing, that, well, no, the thing was, it, it wasn't um, it wasn't anything either of them had planned. No. Um, it was just they were both equally surprised that he that he turned. Yeah. I don't. Have to, I, I really can't remember the situation around whether they were both yeah. Doctor Who fans yeah. or one of the other was. I can't remember what it was now. But um, but yeah, I, I you know I, I think it's sad really he's become the the, the forgotten Doctor. Um, I think people just focus on. I mean, there's another thing he, about he's, it. He's, is, he's is the fact that, yeah, I'll go. On, sorry. There's, the, there's another thing about it, the fact that he's you know to him it probably was just another job. Oh yes, it was. I mean, not in in the same way that you know, all right, to to, to a lot of um, people. I mean, I'm sure to Davison it was just another job. Yeah. But perhaps the tenant, it wasn't. No, he was a because, fan. Yeah. Yeah. So you can sort of see <clears throat> why he, you know, maybe not into it as such. Mm-hmm. To that, oh yeah, I just said yeah. It's just, it's just. I mean, I, I, it, I think it is. As you say, I think he does get sort of forgotten a bit. Yeah, and I think when actually you go back and watch these, you can see how he grew into the role, and it just does make you just think, you know, oh, I wish we'd had more. We, yeah, precisely, precisely. And do you know what? I think that is a a, a good way to end. Um... The review of this episode and and of and of this series actually, it, it, we just wish we had more. Sure, sure you just don't, you don't you don't want to end, end again on why doesn't Rose die? <laughs> <laughs> no, let's end on a positive. <laughs> oh dear, we finally done it. That's it. Our Susan Ritz is over, and that and we have now run the the whole gamut of um, modern Who now. Um, yes. Um, where we go from here, folks, we've got no sodding clue. <laughs> um, so, of course, I think now it's just big finish and um, target reviews and the, uh, of course, to stick out the companion specials and the odd video podcast as well. So, and hopefully yeah. we've got new Doctor to talk about next year. Yes. With any luck, with any luck. But uh, so there we are. So um, what have we got coming next? But I think we're back on big finish, speaking of which, aren't we? Yes. Um... Aren't we now should be doing a fourth Doctor story? Yes. Uh, not quite sure what we're going to do yet, but um, yeah, we'll figure that out and we'll announce it as usual. See, I'm sitting here and I'm not sure if it shouldn't be a Target book. Well, I, 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 I do you know what? I don't know. It's one, <laughs> it's one or the other. I don't we're know. Sure, what. We're just giddy with the fact that we finished this. Series. Giddy with excitement. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Our, our, our minds are just going in several different ways with the possibilities of what we can do with our lives now. Indeed, <laughs> indeed. Well, anyway, before we get to that point, there's another companion special coming out uh, mid-August, and this one features Suki Kark from the Proctor Who podcast, um, talking about Stephen Taylor. 
So um, that's his companion of choice. So that that's coming up before we return with whatever the hell we're doing. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I say big finish. Paul says target. We're going to have a fight off off mic. So <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> so um, until we return in September, it is goodbye from me, Phil. And goodbye from me, Paul. Goodbye. To the Who's He podcast. Please visit our website at who's he-podcast.co.uk. You can also follow us on Twitter at who's underscore he underscore podcast. And please also join the Who's He podcast Facebook group. The Who's He podcast is a member of the Doctor Who Podcast Alliance.